friends, welcome to Log On at 11, uh, Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this COVID season. We're going to uh, continue to follow what has become our regular pattern, uh, using a little liturgy to hold our worship together. If you've got a print copy in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I'll say on my own. If you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference and have been indifferent to those in need, forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves, forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. At a future church meeting, church members will have the opportunity to vote for the next president of the Baptist Union. That will be the person that follows Jeff Colmer. Jeff Colmer's presidential year will start a little bit later, uh, towards the end of the spring this year. And when he comes to the end of his year, this time next year, uh, there'll be someone to take his place. We've got the chance to vote for who that might be. Uh, all of the candidates have just recorded a very brief video clip and we'll see one each week for the next few weeks until we've exhausted the supply to help us make our minds up. I don't know any of these folk. I've never met them. Uh, and I only know um, what you know. And I'll only know um, the same as you as we see these things unfold. So let's hear from today's candidate. Hi, uh, my name is Stephen Greasley. I've been the minister of Gillingham Baptist Church in Kent since 2011. And before that, I pastored churches in Derby uh, and in Gloucester. I feel very privileged to have been nominated uh, as president for Baptists Together. Uh, and I'm very grateful to those who have encouraged and supported that nomination. I am at heart a local church minister. I've been doing this job for 33 years and I love to see churches grow and I love to see churches interact uh, with their communities. I have great hope 
for the missionary potential of all our churches um, and especially some of those smaller urban and rural churches as well. Churches can grow. And as well as a confidence in that, I've also got a great confidence in the power of the gospel. I'm absolutely convinced that not only can Jesus change lives, but he can change our communities as well. And part of what I would love to uh, work with the churches on during the presidential year is to help us to regain our confidence in the power of the gospel um, and let our collective confidence grow as well. I want to take as my presidential theme sacrifice. I want us to uh, look at Jesus um, sacrifice on the cross, um, what it means for each one of us and the significances of, of that um, for us today as well. But I also uh, want to look at our response to that sacrifice, how Jesus calls each one of us to take up our cross and follow him. And I guess if there is a verse of the Bible that sums up um, what I'm really trying to get across, it would be Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says, in view of God's mercies, offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's about us rediscovering all over again what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. But if there's one thing I've learned in my ministry, it is how very much we are reliant on the grace of God. Jesus doesn't browbeat anybody into discipleship. Rather, he takes weak and failed and fallen human beings, and through his grace and mercy, he gently restores us and he um, brings us back into a position again where uh, we can fulfill our potential. The gospel always remains good news. Jesus is there to help us. That's why I believe we can still have confidence in the gospel, because it's not about us so much as him working through us. Thank you for listening. Uh, and I would love the opportunity of uh, working with our churches um, on some of these themes during 2022 and 2023. May God bless you all. Good morning and welcome to my shed. Men like sheds and I am no different. This shed has been my man shed for many years, holding family bikes, garden tools and cabinets full of junk, which might come in useful one day. My wife has her own shed, but that's another story. Would you like a peep inside my shed? Well, it's empty. You see, I've had a clear out of junk, which is of no practical use. I've taken several carloads up to the tip and arranged for scrap men to count, collect old metal cabinets for recycling. It's not only the clear-out that is needed, the shed has come to the end of its life. It's got the woodworm and is rotten in places. Hopefully, by the time you see this, this shed will have been demolished and a brand new shed erected, by which I promise to treat well and keep tidier than before. So what's a shed got to do with a Christian all-age talk? It's just one example showing that everything has a life. And in this case, 
it's come to the end of its life. Watch now to see what or who you can spot. We've had a hard time with coronavirus and the hard cold winter, but there is good news. Spring is coming. Whenever we experience a glorious sunset, lots of people rush out to share their photos on social media, but not so many capture the early morning sunrises, which can also be spectacular. Like these from my recent early morning runs about around Waterhall Park and Caldecott Lake. My allotment has looked fairly depressing recently during the, the cold weather. But if I look around, there are signs of new life. Take a wander in your own garden or through Waterhall Park or around the Caldecott Lake and see how many signs of new life are breaking through. So as you go about your daily lives, look out for the budding shrubs, the primroses and daffodils coming up, the bluebells which give us that magical carpet of blue in shaded woodlands. I'm looking forward to seeing my dahlias in bloom again. In Ecclesiastes, we read there is a time for everything, a season for every activity, a time for planting and a time for pulling up. We can work with nature to sow seeds, nurture crops and provide beautiful flowers to cheer us up and food to do us good. Remember the sunflowers, which were grown last year from seed, then transferred to the allotment, and then the tallest sunflower competition? It was great to have visitors and for children to help harvest the carrots. The Bible has many references to plants, from apples and brambles to grapes and spices, and many more. If you'd like a copy of this list, just let me know. Also, look out for caterpillars, moths and ladybirds. The stripy black and yellow caterpillar will eventually become a cinnabar moth. You'll often find them on ragwort and groundsel weeds. Watch out for the bees doing their essential pollinating. The world needs them. Let's look after them. And now let's give thanks for nature and for human life to God our Creator. For young people, remember now your Creator in all the days of your youth. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. As we are now in Lent and approaching Easter, let's remember Jesus who came back to life and promises us eternal life. When Jesus speaks about his ministry, he says that his goal is to give people abundant life. He says, I am come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. With the sunrise, the hymn comes to mind, When morning gilds the skies, my heart awaking cries, may Jesus Christ be praised. Let air and sea and sky from depth to height reply, may Jesus Christ be praised. As Captain Tom Moore said, tomorrow will be a good day. Meanwhile, I'm still waiting for my new shed. Have a fulfilling Lent and spring season. Our reading today is Genesis chapter 30, verses 25 to 43, entitled Jacob's Flocks Increase. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children 
for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I have done for you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favour in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, Name your wages and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, You know how I have worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you? he asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-coloured lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages and my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on my wages, you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted, or any lamb that is not dark-coloured, will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted, and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark-coloured lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond and plane trees, and made white stripes on them, by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flock when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streaked and dark-coloured animals that belonged to Laban. Thus he made separate flocks for himself, and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals, so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak... He would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Uh, The next instalment in the Jacob story, uh, chapter 30 verses 25 to 34. And Jacob is now getting ready uh, to leave Uncle Laban's employ. He's uh, He's been with Laban for 14 years now, which is quite a long time. 
Uh, and he is now thinking it's time to go. It's time to move on. Um, this, this I think, is, is not uncommon, is it? And it's not something that we're unaware of. Uh, you sometimes talk to God, I hope, uh, about your life and about what you might be able to see. Certainly, uh, various times uh, I have done that. Um, quite a long time ago, when I was a child, um, I, I vividly recall, you know, just before my 10th birthday, thinking to myself, I wonder what I'll be doing when I'm 20. And in the run up to my 20th birthday, I thought to myself, I wonder what I'll be doing when I'm 30. And similarly, when I was 30, what will I be doing when I'm 40? Interestingly, in the run up to my 40th birthday, I stopped asking that question. That's not because I didn't think I've got a future. <laughs> uh, it's because... I suppose my focus was now much more upon God and where might God be leading. So it was less about what will I be doing in 10 years time from now. It was more about where is God leading me and how can I see that unfolding? And in fact, um, probably when we were at Shirley Baptist Church and I, I'd been there a, a while, I'd been there for probably seven or eight years. So time to consider uh, what the future might hold in terms of ministry and next steps. And I, I worked with uh, another minister, an older man, very good minister. Uh, and he, at that stage, when I'd been there for seven or eight years, he was moving on to another church. And I did ask the question of the area superintendent or the regional minister, is it, you know, is this the time for me to go too so that the church can have a fresh start with a new team? And he said to me, it may be better, Kevin, for them to have some, continu some continuity over the next couple of years until, you know, you've, you find the new person that's coming in. And you may want to just look again and, and see whether or not it's right to go at that stage. So I took that advice and prayed and watched and prayed and watched. Uh, and I ended up staying, I stayed in that church for just over 13 years. In fact, what God said to me was, you'll stay here until your children finish their education. And that's actually what happened. And then I went to the army. Uh, and I went into the army thinking, I don't know what this is going to be like. It looks interesting and I want to do it. Um, if it turns out to be not what we thought it was, well, we can always come out at the end of three years because that was my initial commitment. Uh, and having done 13 years, just over somewhere else, three years is nothing really. Uh, well, we got into the army and uh, we, st <laughs> we stayed for as long as we could. Uh, it was it was interesting work. Uh, there was a limit. When I joined, you had to leave at 55. Uh, and during my time there, the retirement age pushed back from 55 to 57 uh, and then from 57 to 60. Uh, and again, 
you know, as, as I got to the 55 point, I was saying to God, what we're going to do? Uh, and the sense was you, you probably will do 12 years. And I couldn't see how that was going to happen at that stage. But that's what turned out to be the case. Now, in the run up to the end of uh, the army, you know, what was I going to do? It's too early to retire properly and I wouldn't be drawing any pensions apart from the army pension uh, until I was 66. So what am I going to do? I could go and work for a charity. There are lots of charities that would take someone like me. Or I could come back into local church work. And what sort of local church? And I thought to myself, well, I'll just be open and go wherever I believe God is calling me to go. Uh, and maybe uh, maybe a medium sized church. I've been in big church. I've been in small church. I haven't done a medium sized church. Maybe that'll be what we do. And that's exactly what we're doing. And I'm reasonably clear about end time, you know, the end date for this. Um, but for now, what God is saying to me is stay. Do what we have agreed between us. So that's what I'm doing. I'm here and you're here. And uh, we're just trying to help one another out over the next two or three years. Uh, it is. It, I would encourage you to think about your own life with God and also the life of the church uh, with God. And that's something that uh, the deacons and I are very focused on right now. Uh, and I, when I came, I, I got a broad plan, uh, but not, not prescriptive. And I'm not the sort of leader, minister, that comes in and says, right, fellas, boys and girls, this is what we're doing. You know, God has said this, this and this. I tend to need to sit and think and pray and reflect and just look at what is going on around us. Where can I see the hand of God? Where can I see the fingerprints of God in what is going on? And I, I can see the fingerprints of God uh, in all sorts of places, actually. Uh, and uh, some of that is in the news sheet uh, as uh, indicators for prayers, you know, when we're praying and fasting. But I do... Uh, I do see some exciting possibility, uh, a number of things that seem to be converging just at the moment. Quite how this will work out, I am not sure because I can't see the end of it. Uh, and very often I find this is what God does. He'll show you a little and he will say to you, are you coming? I mean, this is what he does with Abraham, isn't it? At the beginning of this family's saga, uh, Abraham and Sarah, who are quite old, very settled, you know, lots of possessions, flocks, servants, etc., etc., well embedded in their community, well embedded in the place uh, where they live. And God says to Abraham, will you go to a place that I'm going to show to you? Okay. But that's all God says to him. 
at that stage. He doesn't tell him anything else. He doesn't give him any broad plan about how this is going to unfold. He just asks the question and waits for the response. And Abraham says, yes. And everything follows on from that. The promises uh, follow on after that once Abraham has committed himself. Uh, and so, and the promise was land and descendants, wasn't it? And remember, Abraham and Sarah were very old, well past childbearing age. It's impossible for them to have a child of their own. And certainly, you know, that is what Sarai thought. That's why she offers Hagar, her maidservant. Uh, she doesn't believe that she can have a child. It's impossible for her to have a child. And yet, God engineers it, God works it, God makes it happen. Nothing is impossible for God, is it? And of course, that's what that's what Mary says, isn't it? When uh, the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, greetings, you who are highly favoured. What can this mean? I've bringing you a message from the Most High, you're going to conceive and have a child. Well, how can that be? I'm a virgin. Virgins don't have children. You'll be overshadowed by the Most High and you'll conceive. May it be to me, as God has said. And all sorts of things follow out of that, don't they? Not least my salvation and yours. So the, the fact that something might seem impossible to us really shouldn't stop us from contemplating what God may want to do among us. Uh, what he may be saying to us is, will you come with me? Even though you can't see the end of it, will you come with me? Well, who knows where we might end up. Let's see what comes out of uh, our day of prayer and fasting and let's see what happens as we continue to pray and some, I guess, will fast too. Great adventure, friends. Join in if you can. So Jacob is ready to go. Um, he's, he's done 14 years with Uncle Laban. That's long enough, isn't it? Well, he thinks so anyway. Uh, and he's ready to go. Well, this is partly what's going on. It's also, uh, we, we also need to just nod towards God at this stage. Although God is not explicitly in the story at this point, and has only been explicitly in the story that one time, uh, back at Bethel, uh, when Jacob had his dream and God spoke to him in the dream, um, God has been the background presence you know he's been the unobtrusive uh, melody for what's going on here uh, and soon he will come to the fore once again but not just yet but he's in this um, quietly in the background so as well as um, Jacob having this desire to go home now um, this is a part of what God promised isn't it uh, and God's purpose we can see is slowly being unfolded. 
So he was back at Bethel. God told him, you're going to have offspring. Tick. He's got lots of children now. At this stage, he's got 11. And he's going, he's going to have one more yet. So he's going to have 12 altogether. The 12 tribes. Um, <clears throat> I will be with you. Tick. That's happening. We can see that. Um, you will have land. No, can't take that one yet. And you will return home. Can't take that one yet. So two out of four at the minute. But it's moving that way, the direction of travel we can see. Um, I wonder what has God promised you in the past? I wonder if, you know, you're working through your list. Yes, teak. No. Yes, teak. No, not yet. Um, it may be. Maybe a number of things that you have watched and waited for. 14 years has passed between that encounter at Bethel and now. Uh, and all of the promises are not fulfilled yet. For one of Jacob's children, Joseph, Joseph's going to have a dream, isn't he? Uh, and he's going to tell that dream to his brothers, uh, all of whom are older except for one. Uh, and none of whom are going to receive that vision well, that, that prophecy well. But we know it is God and we know it is God because we know how it works out in the end. But between that promise being given and the promise actually coming to bear fruit, there's probably it's 20 odd years that passes. I think he's 17 when he has the dream and he's 40 odd when the family come seeking grain because of the famine. So 20 to 30 years, 27 years, I think it is. I'd have to go back and look properly. But that's a long time. It's a generation, isn't it? Between the promise being given and it coming to bear fruit. So what, whatever God may have said to you, if it hasn't yet borne fruit and you still firmly believe that it was God, be patient. Be patient. God is working his purpose out. It's quite hard to see how sometimes, and and especially in the story of Joseph. I mean, you, 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 just, you just can't see quite how this is going to work out. And there's a refrain through the Joseph story. And God was with Joseph. And that happens regularly. That is said. Often the narrator is quite clear about that. But it's very hard to see how that is actually working in practice because he gets, you know, sold into slavery by his brothers. His father thinks he's dead. His mother thinks he's, de he's dead. Uh, he goes to work as a slave in Pharaoh's, uh, in Pharaoh's Egypt, Potiphar's household, uh, an official uh, in Pharaoh's household. Uh, Potiphar's wife fancies him, makes the approach. He refuses. She frames him, says he, you know, tried to have his wicked way with me. He gets chucked into prison. I mean, there's just so many. Read it, read it yourself. It's a great story. Uh, but how on earth is God with Joseph in this? That's a future generation. What I'm saying to you, friends, is if it hasn't worked out yet, if you still are clear about the fact that this is God. God has promised you something. He has shown you something which 
may come to be and it's not happened yet be patient be patient uh, and continue to believe um in the next chapter god will say to jacob go but not yet and in the next chapter of your life uh, maybe that's when god will say go uh, but not just yet but at some point go uh, and perhaps homecoming will be part of that um, it's interesting i think that the desire of jacob's heart to, to now leave and go back to his family is actually in line with god's overall plan for his life you know offspring uh, land uh, return home my presence with you um, two two out of the four have happened uh, and to await future fulfillment but his heart's desire to return is in line with God's plan for him so I suppose that's the question really isn't it for us to consider uh, is our heart's desire in line with God's overall plan for us uh, you won't know that unless you spend time with God listening to him uh, and that's always time well spent it seems to me um, if those plans are in line you know if your heart's desire is in line with God's plan it will come about uh, if your heart's desire is in conflict with God's plan it won't uh, that's the bottom line and what will happen is over time as you spend time with God time in his presence time listening time praying time thinking and reflecting the desire of your heart will be changed and it will come into line with God's overall plan for you I know that's true from experience and sometimes um, quite difficult experience but it is true and God's desire for you is nothing but good for you uh, you can trust him and allow yourself to be shaped and transformed by him so Jacob's desire is to go home now Laban's desire is to hang on to him uh, because uh, he knows uh, that all the good stuff that has come his way actually has come his way because Jacob is part of his household at the moment so the temptation is to hold on to him to keep him to imprison him to trap him uh, and Laban's plan is contrary to God's plan so who do you think is going to win <laughs> it's really a bit like um, Satan you know he would sort of offers us all sorts of stuff and and again you, one can see this a little bit in Laban's approach interestingly uh, in the conversations that we see recorded between Jacob and Laban there's always a question of wages and Laban is always the one that asks the question isn't he um what shall I pay you what would you like um just stay with me what would you like uh, and he does this again and he makes this offer and it and it's very difficult to refuse isn't it name your price I mean it's quite hard uh, to refuse that um, and again a bit bit like Satan you know he does the well you know I'll get you whatever you want you can have whatever you like it's all mine to give you 
I mean, that's what he says to Jesus, isn't it, in the temptation? The unspoken thing is, I'll get you all this and you serve me. And once you do that, you're lost. You're absolutely lost. Uh, and Jesus, uh, thank God, is uh, able to show us how to move forward in this and how to resist. Um, Laban wants to hold on to Jacob. Uh, he, he just wants him to stay uh, because he knows uh, I've only got what I've got because of you. So they come to an agreement. Uh, Jacob will stay on for a bit longer and he will look after Laban's flocks. In return, he gets all the ones that are speckled and spotted, the speckled and spotted sheep, every dark coloured lamb, every spotted goat. They'll all be mine. You can have the ones that are pure. Agreed, says Laban, that's what we'll do. And then he promptly goes through all of the flock, everything that he owns, removing those sheep and goats which are spotted and taking them away, stashing them away in another location, three days journey distant from the rest of the flock in the care of his sons. Uh, Laban is not to be trusted, is he? But then we know um, Jacob's pretty cute, isn't he? He's not daft. Uh, and so uh, he sets up his own way of uh, enabling the sheep to have spotted lambs. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything scientific about this. I'm not sure that it would even work, but in the confines of the story and for the sake of the narrative, it does work. Uh, and every strong you, uh, he puts in front of the striped twigs and branches that he's put in the, uh, in the water supply, in the water troughs. Uh, and whenever, you know, he's, He's got these sheep together. You know, if they're in heat and ready to be mated, he makes sure that the ewes can see the stripped bark and, you know, with their spots and stripes in it. Uh, so when they have lambs, the lambs are spotted. He takes out all the spotty ones and keeps them. Uh, and all the pure ones, all the ones that are pure colour, single block colour, they go to Uncle Laban. Anytime there's a weaker ewe, he leaves that alone, doesn't he? So Uncle Laban's flock, you know, the quality uh, is getting worse, even if the quantity is levelling off a bit. Uh, but for Jacob, it's all good. It's all good. So uh, Jacob becomes prosperous because God is with him. That really is at the heart of this episode. That's why Jacob becomes prosperous, because God is with him. And we too have that assurance, don't we? God is with us. That was what we were remembering during Advent and in the run to Christmas. Uh, it's one of the names that is given to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, whatever our situation, wherever we are, however we think we're doing, whether we think life is good or not so good right now, God is with us. And that is the promise that Jesus gives just before he ascends into heaven. I will never leave you or forsake you. So the future, I think, friends, is quite good. 
it may be difficult to see how that might be the case right now. But I think as the weeks and months pass and we begin to see a little more of what God might be doing among us, perhaps there'll be some encouragement for us. Never forget, God with us. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to pray for people and places around the world and for our friends. We're thankful, Lord, that there seems to be a decline in the levels of the coronavirus here in the UK. We pray that that downward trend would continue. We're grateful too uh, for the continued vaccine rollout and pray your blessing on all those who are working so hard to make sure that the vaccine gets out to where it needs to get to and is distributed and uh, gets into people. <laughs> so we're all becoming safer. We're feeling a little better around what's going on in our country. We pray for the Prime Minister and for all of his advisers. We look forward with interest to what he's going to say on Monday about the future and the possibility of lifting certain elements of the lockdown. We pray, Lord, for level heads. Uh, we pray for a, a measured and considered uh, view. We pray for a long term solution. We pray that we will indeed find ourselves on a trajectory which will not suddenly be halted. We pray that everything that uh, is done in, in terms of lifting the lockdown will be done in the right sort of way to see an easing of the situation so that economic activity can uh, happen again and can happen in a sustainable way. We continue to pray for all those uh, who are worried about losing their jobs, losing their businesses. It has not been an easy time for any of us, <clears throat> but particularly difficult uh, for those who are living on that knife edge uh, of potential loss of employment income and all the security that comes along with that. We pray for all those families that feel under pressure. Uh, particularly, uh, we pray for all those who are in family situations which are not safe, where there may be violence, if not physical, then maybe verbal. Particularly pray for women and children who feel vulnerable, and at risk, pray for men, ask that they might understand that their anger and frustration it's not right. It's not right to take it out on the weak. It's not right to make someone else feel bad just because we feel bad. We need so much help, Lord. 
at all sorts of levels in this. We're aware that violence against women is, is something that happens everywhere. And there seems to be a resurgence, particularly in India at this time, and again, particularly against women of low caste, the Dalits. Pray for the authorities in India. We pray for a robust response whenever uh, women are found to have suffered, and especially when women have been killed. We pray that every level uh, of law enforcement, from the police on the streets all the way through to the courts, will act in accord with the law and that the perpetrators will be brought to justice. We pray for those in Myanmar who are protesting against the imposition of martial law and the military coup. We know that the military have said they will move uh, towards free and fair elections at some point in the future. Uh, we pray that that will be so. And we pray that it will be sooner rather than later. And we also pray, Lord, that if they don't get a result that they like, they will actually abide by it. We pray for our friends. Chris and Ken, Adrienne and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Jesse, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Naomi, Thelma, Nigel, Lynn, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Ron Mercer's family following his death, Gail, Andy, Judith, and our friends the McGills in South Africa grieving the loss of family members. Lord God, will you be all that our friends need in these days? We gather our prayers together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God 
that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We come to share communion. Uh, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to read the words that I would normally read when we're in church together. I will lead the prayers that I would normally lead. Uh, you'll need a piece of bread and you'll need a little wine or whatever you're substituting for wine. Uh, and we will eat and drink together. And I'll be very clear about when we do that and how we do that. You just follow what I am doing. So. If you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbours and are resolved to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us concerning the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving for bread and for wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bread and for wine, ordinary things, which in your hands become extraordinary. We thank you for giving us something physical to help us remember you. Uh, your body broken for us, the bread broken. Your blood shed for us, the wine that we can taste. Things to touch and see and taste. 
Thank you, Father, for putting these things into our hands. As we eat and drink, may we do so with thankful hearts. Amen. So after he'd given thanks, the Lord took the bread and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. The body of Christ broken for us. In the same way, he took the cup after supper. This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. The blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Now going to God's word with joy and peace and love and hope in your hearts, and the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer of all, be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.